0: Folks, welcome in to another episode of the Orlando Soccer Show. It's Wednesday, June 14th. I'm Gavin Eubank. Kyle Foley is with me today. Listen, the world sucks, but I'll tell you what doesn't suck. Orlando Soccer. What a weekend, a nine-point weekend. Dub City down here. Well, down there in Orlando. Uh, the Orlando City, Orlando Pride, and Orlando City B all come home with victories. Kyle. What is going on, man? Everything is is coming up Orlando right now. Well, it's the not gummy to mention worms. Miami just lost another championship final this week. I mean, life's good.
1: Yeah, I was. Oh, and I'm pretty happy with the the basketball one. It was it was enjoyable, uh, only because it meant that sad Bill Simmons was even more sad because Miami could only go through and win one game. But yeah, no, for Orlando, it's it's the gummy worms. We've established that the gummy worms are the secret to the street yeah can
0: your body handle that so like i i I see these tweets every week and in my mind i'm just like i so i love like twizzlers and um watermelon sour patch but i can't eat them too
1: frequently because then i just get sick of them like are you getting sick of these well so i'm not eating all of them like i'm eating some of them and i'm sharing them with other people in the press box Uh, a former colleague that we fired of ours is normally in there and i share with him and, and other people that are there. So And lately I've been bringing the much smaller bags, although it is getting to be a bit expensive. So for those who don't know the story, back in April, it would have been April, I believe, like 29th, whatever that last Saturday in April was. So yeah, the 29th, I had a thing for work, and I got some gummy worms for my students as a, like a, hey, I stopped to get gas, saw a giant bag, and went like, hey, maybe they'll like some gummy worms after they performed they did they were ecstatic to have them and surprised that i did something nice (laughs) but um then i had we had the game afterwards so i brought them with me to the orlando city game that night and was like you know we got some we got some gummy worms and so we ate gummy worms i tweeted at chris whittingham that there were gummy worms in the press box he went and ate some of my gummy worms a lot of people came and ate them it was great and more importantly orlando city i believe that was the orlando city it was orlando city that night one. so going back yes it was the la galaxy game they won 2 nothing. so it was like wow that's cool so then the very next night there was a if i'm if i'm not mistaken i'm i had to double, double checking my calendar here sorry make sure everything was correct yeah so that same night the pride were playing but next week at home on, they were on the road the next week pride were at home brought the gummy worms again they won one nothing. the week after that brought gummy worms again orlando city or is two weeks after yeah a week after that may 20th uh nope not may 20th may 17th city where at home i brought gummy worms they drew but it was one one nice didn't lose uh i was not at the atlanta game but then i've been at the last two games so basically you know the gummy worms undefeated they are two wins and a draw when i bring gummy worms to city games and they the pride have won three in a row at home which is the first time they have done that in since like 2019 i believe it was so it's, it's, uh, you know, I'm just saying they're, they're a little magical. They're a little, I've got to keep bringing them, uh, since 2017. So it was the first time Orlando pride have won three straight home games since 2017. So it's the magical gummy worms, which are magically expensive to keep buying, but it's worth it because the streak continues teams haven't lost. I almost didn't bring them to the the pride game this weekend because they were playing Portland and we'll talk about that in a bit, but I did, and they won. So, yeah, that's that's we talked about last week. Why does do the team sometimes underperform at home? It's because I wasn't always bringing gummy worms. And now that I do, all of a sudden things have changed. So we have found the answer.
0: Yeah, no, the streaks go on. The magic, so it's the first time that someone can say that there's good magic in Orlando in a long time. Ba-bam. Um, so, uh, yeah, six games undefeated now for Orlando City. All of that talk of the this team basically being you know we might as well just disband the team i feel like that's gone now uh two nothing win over the rapids the pride back-to-back wins at home for or i'm sorry the third straight win at home now they're on a roll at explorer stadium and then you've got orlando city b with another four nothing victory over fc cincinnati too so i mean a great weekend all around what do we got? Eight goals, nine goals combined between the three teams, nine and goals, shockingly, nine points. the shockingly, you know, the pride with a big win over, you know, a good Portland Thorns team. Um, a couple of MLS notable names in that uh, Orlando City beat win as well. But we'll get to those games in just a little bit. Let's start with Orlando two nothing really, win over really the quick, Rapids.
1: Really quick though, before we move on, just because we had this brought to our attention uh, on Saturday night, then. Uh, or Sunday night, I mean, the Orlando City Unified team also won over the weekend. They beat Colorado on Saturday. So it was actually a four-win weekend. They won 3 nothing, so four wins, uh, 12 points, 12 goals. It was a very good weekend for all of Orlando soccer. So shout-out to the Orlando City Unified team also winning this weekend.
0: Yeah, there you go. Again, the the magic is there right now. Orlando soccer is certainly at a place that, you know, we, we've always dreamed that it could be. Um, so, yeah. Back-to-back wins for the first time this season for Orlando City. Facundo Torres in the 56th uh, while they were up a man at that point, And then Ramiro Enrique in the 83rd while they were up two men at that point. Um, I mean, this another goal for Facundo Torres. He's starting to heat up. Uh, really good play there for Orlando City to kind of get that. It was on the wing. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. Um my god, the fullback. I don't know why he lost his name. Yeah. Do you forget who he is?
1: It's about Rafa H- Santos or Kyle Smith.
0: Yeah, Rafa Santos, yeah. Um he was playing really well that he was whipping in a lot of crosses. This one gets in, bounces around um off Mauricio Pereira and leans at Fagundo Torres, who nets at home 1-0 early in the second half, and then shortly after Portland or after Colorado's second red card. It's Ramiro Enrique to double the lead and to put this one to bed for Orlando City. It's uh, Fagundo Torres getting free on the right wing, taking on the defender before creating enough space to find Enrique just inside the box. Enrique took a touch, fires a strike with his right foot straight into the back of the net. That was his first goal for Orlando City. So a goal and assist for Torres, a goal for Enrique. Oscar Pereja very pleased after that one. And I think most importantly, if you're Orlando, you know, I think one of the stories this kind of week, you know, we talked about it on the show last week, and Andrew Wiebe, MLS Soccer, Apple TV, was kind of created the conversation himself out there and was like, listen, what is going on with Orlando City at home? And, you know, we kind of got to the point where, like, yeah, we don't know. This has been a long-term problem. And finally, you know, it helps that Colorado is not necessarily a good team, but Orlando finally, for the most part, you know, they— could have done better with some chances early in the first half. They could have done more with the ball, I think, especially in the final third. But Orlando pulls off the victory, and I think regardless of how they do it, they did it in three points or three points.
1: Yeah, and it's obviously great to see Facundo back on the score sheet. He's had, I believe now, three goals. Four, I'm blanking on how many goals he's had in the last couple of games. Uh, so he's th- three goals in the last two games. So he's now got five on the season. So he's now the, the leading scorer for the team. He had, uh, was tied with handful of other players on four goals. So he's now taking the lead after a really slow start to the season. See the last couple games, he's looked a lot better. So being able to get on the score sheet again this week after a brace last week, it's really good. It, it builds confidence in it. And again, it continues to, we talked about sometimes the pressure of playing at home and how that can get to players sometimes. And so I think building up and, and getting some of those, getting those wins at home and good performances. I mean, l- let's be real Colorado, not a great team. They are at the bottom of the table, In the standings for the Supporters' Shield. They are just only at the bottom, I believe, on like a tiebreaker. Uh, Or actually, they may have played fewer games. Trying to see now. for whatever reason, this isn't showing how many games they've played. This is a super helpful list, MLS. Oh, there it is. So, they have played actually two more games in the LA Galaxy. And they only have 13 points in 18 games. So, not a super great season for them. They are not doing well at all. So, very, very good for... Orlando to play well against a bad team. Historically, Orlando can kind of play down to bad opponents. So being able to show up against a bad team and play well and and dominate, all that does is boost confidence going forward.
0: No, for sure. And that's a good point. I mean, when you look at some of their performances earlier in the season, they are going up against teams that we were constantly saying like, yeah, Orlando should get this one. Orlando should get this one. Um, You know, struggling against Columbus, they... Um, the games against DC were not particularly good for Orlando struggling in those ones. I mean, it was kind of been the story. Like you said, I think even for years, Orlando city, the last couple of years, you get these games where we're all sitting here thinking like Orlando's got this, they're the better team on paper. They're at home, you know, whatever the, the scenario is. And yeah, they, they fail to live up to the moment. They failed to take those opportunities, but you know, here they are now, um, grabbing it and you know like i said a a win is a win you gotta at this point in the season you really gotta take them where you can especially with the way that the eastern conference i mean the the conference is so tight right now um orlando is in seventh place they're only six points back of nashville in second four points back of philadelphia and new england in fourth place and they're four points above the cut line so i mean they're you're, the the separation between the best teams and the worst teams in this conference is so razor thin um, that you you have to capitalize on these moments. you have to be able to take advantage and Orlando has not done that. I mean this is their third win of the year at home, which now ties the amount of losses they have at home, three, three and three for the year while they're four, one and two on the road. So um, and then over the last six games, three wins and three draws. Um, some other notables for Orlando in this one: Mauricio Pereira's fourth assist of the year. He's got 39 now in his Orlando City career. That is a club record that he is continuing to extend. Uh, Pedro Gillespie, He became the first Orlando City goalkeeper to reach 100 appearances across all competitions with the Lions, while picking up his—I had the number in there—his 27th clean sheet across all competitions for Orlando. That is also a club record. Also notable for Orlando city is Academy product. Alejandro Granados making his MLS debut coming on in the 90th minute. He signed a short term contract with Orlando city from Orlando city B uh, during the week. He at 17 years old, he's the youngest player to make his MLS debut with Orlando city 17 years, 11 days. Kyle, Let's, how close were you to making your MLS debut at 17 years old?
1: You know, I would have to say I was probably not as close as I thought I was. I feel like probably probably, probably a little ways away, I would say. It's it's really impressive, obviously, to make a debut that young. He had just come off of playing internationally with, with Spain, the, the U17s. So really, really establishing himself. Obviously, playing in a team that's got players from the likes of, of Real Madrid and Barcelona, and to be caught up coming from Orlando City. That's a big deal. It's good for the club. It's good for their development. It's obviously good for the player, too, getting those opportunities. So to have him come on, play for a couple minutes, obviously didn't have a ton of time out there, but also didn't look out of his depth, didn't look out of place. So encouraging signs there, and and will most likely get some more minutes this weekend with, with so many players out.
0: Yeah, no, like you said, five players out this weekend. Orlando City is at New England. New England, like I just mentioned, is currently tied for 3rd in the Eastern Conference. They're they're technically 4th. They're tied on points with Philadelphia. I think goal differential uh yeah, is the uh the difference there. They're coming off a 3 to 1 win over Inter Miami this past weekend also at home in Gillette Stadium. So Bruce Arena's got this team playing well. Um so the Border Shield champions 2 years ago. Last season not good. Um, I believe they missed the playoffs last season. Just an awful year for New England, but they seem to have bounced back under Bruce Arena here. Um, Like you said, five players missing. That's the headline this week. I think if you're Orlando City, Um, what do we got? It is Mikey Lopez, Wilder Cartagena, um, Fagundo Torres, Pedro Gullese, and who's the fifth one? It is Mikey Lopez. Mikey Lopez, Jesus Christ. What? What? Jason Christ, Mikey Holiday is that one.
1: He sh- he shouldn't be out. Kyle's. So you've got, it's it's Faku, it's Wilder, it's Galese, and then Antonio Carlos and Kyle Smith are both suspended for yellow card accumulation. Uh,
0: okay, okay, right, 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 right. Getting my information here that our producer gave us pregame mixed up just a smidge. But, yeah, five changes. It's going to be a rotated lineup for Orlando City. Going to see... Probably likely Mason Saduhar in goal. You're going to see probably Martino Ojeda back on the lineup. He's been, you know, coming off the, on the bench the last few games. Orlando try to mix things up in the midfield, which is, I think, you know, another kind of important point that we might have glossed over. But there with Orlando say, I think it's obviously been a storyline with Ojeda. I mean, he's shown so many glimpses early in the year of just how talented this guy is, but the problem clearly was that. As good as he is, as good as Facundo is, as good as, you know, all of these pieces, some of them are a little redundant in terms of, all right, you have this guy who does this, but this guy also does this. When you look at the way Orlando's played the last couple games, you know, Facundo getting the starts over Ojeda, basically being the same players. How How much has Orlando benefited from this?
1: I I would say it's been helpful. It it makes it a little bit easier. I, I'm not sure we can really tell how much they benefited from it yet, but I think it's we're we're gonna get a good sense over the next two weeks.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. So we'll see what happens here. Good opportunity for Ojeda now with uh, Facundo out to you know make an impact, get the ball rolling, and see what maybe what kind of different looks. You know, it it seems like a good opportunity for Oscar to maybe play around with Ojeda out there now where you can say, hey, you know, let's try things a little bit differently unless he just wants to do the like-for-like swap. So we'll see what happens at New England this weekend. Um, One more Orlando City note before we move on. So uh, the Athletics' Tom Bogert had released a piece earlier in the day on Tuesday about what he was hearing transfer-wise in MLS, uh, Duncan McGuire was actually caught up in that, receiving some interest from Anderlecht over in the Netherlands. His play, his you know impressive play so far early this season, is catching the eye of some scouts. Uh, nothing concrete, no you know move is imminent, but it, you know worth not- worth uh, noting that early in his young career, he's already making some uh, turning some heads overseas.
1: Yeah, I think I mean, we saw, especially in his appearances early on in the season when he was coming off the bench and scoring. It started in D.C. and scored. I mean, he has some clearly some potential there I know it's been a little frustrating actually trying to figure out why he's not played more and and it's it's a bit of a bummer to not have seen him out there on the field more I think a lot of it is just he's a rookie and there's no need for him to be playing because in the past when Orlando City has had really great young strikers they've become really great because they've needed to play right away so I think not the fact that he doesn't need to play right away is good but at the same time it would be a bit of a bummer if he would go elsewhere before really getting a chance to to show what he can do here in Orlando.
0: No, for sure. And I think when you look at Orlando City through the first couple months of the year, I mean, they were really struggling to find any production out of that role. And they were almost turning to Duncan out of necessity because you had Urshankara, you know, really struggling. Um, Ramiro Enrique is a talented player, but he kind of fits specific roles in specific, in specific you know, games against certain teams so you couldn't always go to him and in the next best option was Duncan Maguire, you know coming off the bench and really providing these opportunities he had that great start against uh, DC United where he scored his first goal um, but now you have Kara performing well he's back in the lineup more consistently he's scoring goals and I think that you you look at it and you say well you know we don't necessarily need to go to our rookie striker as much often you'll know, give him more opportunities to just kind of continue to develop and and you know get everything he can out of training on a daily basis and his his time will come you know we've seen over the years i mean we know it's a long season we're halfway through the regular season but there's still leagues cup to play for there's still the daunting summer schedule that orlando city always runs into at some point you know injuries will come and you just got to stay patient and keep uh keep his head up and you know he'll get he'll get those opportunities again we haven't we've definitely not seen the last of duncan mcguire this season that's for sure um anything else to add on orlando city before we turn our attention to
1: the pride no i think like you said it's going to be interesting to see how they do with without some of their star players especially as facundo has been playing better over the last couple weeks so we'll see it should be obviously orlando not the only team to have to deal with this so We'll see how they cope and how they come out of this and it'll it'll show how good the quality of depth is, you know, on the field versus on paper.
0: No, for sure. And, and you know, going to New England, it's New England's always been one of those places where Orlando City goes and it just feels the games are always tough. I think Orlando typically tends to struggle at Gillette Stadium. And, you know, I don't know if it's just the turf or, you know, the the, the travel or whatever it is. Um but you know, these these are games that I would, I feel like over years, it's kind of, you know, I don't look forward necessarily to these games against New England. The season series all time against these three teams or against these two teams, seven wins for New England, seven draws, three wins for Orlando. They faced twice last season a 3 0 win for New England in August and a 1 1 draw in June, almost uh, exactly a year ago to the day, uh, June 15th. So it's interesting how they always tend to play these guys at the exact same time every single year. But, uh, but yeah, well, let's move on to another great game in Orlando this weekend, the Orlando pride three to one winners over the Portland thorns. So I wasn't, um, uh, watching this whole game. I did tune in at some point in the second half when I think when they were up three to one, and that was the first time I had seen an update of the game. And, um, Fill me in. How did the Pride
1: pull this one off? So, they looked surprisingly good, and I don't even feel like I need to to qualify that surprisingly. I don't think anybody expected, especially after the four nothing thrashing at the beginning of the season, that Orlando were going to be able to beat Portland three to one. I think that that is probably a bit more than any of us were expecting to see. I think a, a draw would have been seen as a very very good result. But the thing that I saw was as soon as the game kicked off, I mean, right away, Orlando were landed on them. They looked the more composed of the two teams. They looked just the better of the two teams, despite not having the same level of talent that Portland has. And that was what was I mean, it was just it was really surprising because you would expect a younger team to maybe not look that way because they haven't looked that way in other games this season they haven't really looked up to playing some of these harder games and typically when things have gone against them is when they kind of fall apart and things start to collapse so when Sophia smith scored in the 20th minute i was like okay well this is where we're gonna see you know i don't know how bad this game will get but i don't think it's really gonna get better and boy was i wrong because uh adriana scored an absolutely Beautiful free kick that was. I mean, watching it happen in person, I did not believe that it happened. And from there, I mean, as soon as as soon as Portland scored in the 20th minute, Orlando took it up another notch, scoring the free kick in the 27th, and then uh, Adriano scored again, basically right after halftime. Because as soon as they came out of halftime, they were hungry, they were ready, they went for it, and then Messiah Bright scored a really nice goal in the 69th minute to to put the game away, and it was just they looked more composed they looked up for it they looked a little more motivated and it was a you know it they didn't drastically outshoot portland it was it was 16 shots for the pride to to the 19 for portland for whatever reason it, it was eight shots on target though for the pride seven for portland so all relatively even but it just i don't know they looked hungry and they looked and they've talked to the players have talked to early in the season and Seb has talked to early in the season about a bit of an underdog mentality a bit of this like you know we want to prove people wrong they've beaten the three best teams in NWSL they've beaten San Diego Washington and now Portland that's that's impressive especially after they had just come off the back of losing games that they shouldn't have lost to teams at the bottom of the table or closer to the bottom of the table so really really surprising But I think in watching them, really what I took away is, A, I think Seb Hines is a a very good coach. My opinion on him continues to grow and continues to improve. He has that entire team bought in, whether it's the young players who are only in their their first or second year or it's players like Marta who have been playing for a long time. He has them all completely bought in to what he's trying to do, and it's working, right? It's one thing to, you can be a good coach but not have the players bought in, and that doesn't work out well. Or you can have players bought in, but not be a super great coach. And so that doesn't always work very well, but even just hearing the players talk post game about how they were prepping and the film they were watching and what they saw. I mean, he clearly knows what's going on and has a very good idea of what he wants this team to do and is a very good coach. And it's now starting to pay off. It's not going to be consistent. They're not going to be doing this every week. It's just the reality of where the team is at. But I think where they're sitting now, 13 points in 11 games, not stellar, but only seven points out of behind first place. Also only four points from the bottom, but doesn't, you know, irrelevant. But just it's been continual improvement throughout the season. And even after two setbacks on the road and getting the the Gotham game postponed because of the weather, being able to still keep that focus and and that maturity. It's a hell of a team and he's done a great job of putting it together and, and the team have done a great job of the veteran leaders of of really pushing the younger players and the younger players not feeling out of it you know from a side to come in as a second half sub and score all I will say is is she is the highest scoring Messi in the state of Florida in history so you know best, best, best Messi in Orlando or in Florida uh, but yeah man there's just so many good things about watching that pride team and I knew and I talked about it after their first loss to Portland, and I said there were a lot of good things that you could see there, they, they were trying some things, they just kind of fell apart, right? Whether it was just the mental mistakes of some games of, of slipping late, or if it was just not quite being ready for the big time and, and not quite getting these work, but man, they were playing long balls over the back, things that were leaving them exposed. And they were able to capitalize and not concede more than just the one goal. And Now the one goal did come. Sophia Smith was completely unmarked in the box, so it was a, it was a sloppy mistake through there, which has kind of been par for the course and the goals that the Pride have allowed. But again, for them to buckle down and, and not concede more, and then to to score to score three times and beat Portland, that's that's impressive. And I mean, they're the defending NWSL champs for a reason, so. Yeah, it's just just a very good, very inspired game for the Pride.
0: No, for sure, and I think a game like this is is basically a statement game for Orlando. And I'm not saying that in the sense of Orlando's put themselves on the map as like a team to be reckoned with, and you know, but like you said, the the, the buy in that this team has for Seb, I think it really shows for a performance like this. You know, we talked about last week coming off that that Houston game and just how. You know, bad Orlando looked at it and Seb came out after the game and he owned it and he said we weren't good this is you know unacceptable and we need to do better and you come out here against a team you know after that performance you come back out against the team that trounced you in the season opener four to one you know four nothing on opening day back in March and it's easy to say like it's easy to put your backs up against the wall from the start and say all right well we're at home but this team is much better than us, so let's just do what we can to survive. And that's not what we saw. you know. Like you said, we saw a team out there that is clearly knows what it needs to do, and it went out there this time, and it, it did it. Um, I think the quote from Seb after the game is really good. And he says, quote, We had a good chat after the Houston game about what we needed to do and bring it back to our identity and style of play. We showed today that commitment from the players, the desire, and the attention to detail in sticking to the game plan was brilliant. Um, and, I mean, he's speaking the truth there. I think I think what has really been impressive about the Pride team this season is that even through the good and the bad, you're really seeing the leadership of Seb shining through. And I think after last season, you know, the team got off to that. They were off to that good start under him. You know, there was that run of, unconsecu- of consecutive games going undefeated and then they really slipped and kind of fell off the cliff almost for there at the end and with his hiring there was kind of that like i don't know i mean you're you're bringing in a guy who has like almost no head coaching experience and i think he's really shown this season that he he might not be the greatest soccer coach in the world and you know maybe he'll never lead orlando to an nvsl championship but i think for where this team is where this club is Every, you know given everything that happened over the last 12 months with you know the last 16 months with the previous coach and the players and the drama and everything he is really what they needed to to set that foundation and he's showing it you know, every game with not just the way that the you know not just the things that he's saying but the way the team is responding to what he says and like you said it it really shows that they are bought in and they believe in him and they believe in that vision. And it's it's really inspiring to watch. You know, I don't I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the season. I mean, you know, it's a great win for the Pride. They are still just eighth in the points out of 12 teams. So they're not in the worst position. They're still, you know, a, a good way to go in this season. Let's see. They're 13 points. You know, three points behind Houston, four behind North Carolina, who they play this weekend. They're not terribly out san diego and washington are the two best teams in the league and they're only on 20 points so i mean seven points that's not that far almost halfway through the season um you know i'm not saying that they're going to catch up to them but the performances have been enough to keep them within the reach you know kind of where they were last season and i think this season it's going to be about not letting that reach get too far not letting it fall out of their grasp
1: yeah and i think to about you know, it's kind of a statement game, and it is a statement game, but like you said, this isn't a team that's going to all of a sudden turn it around and be, you know, winning everything and completely unstoppable, but that's not what their goal is to be. So I think they're just a lot of good, man. They're fun to watch. They're really fun to watch.
0: Yeah. Like you said, two goals from Adriana. She is the 100th gold scored by a Brazilian player in the NWSL. It was also the first – she's the first pride player – not only to score a brace this season, but she is the first Pride player to score a brace since almost exactly two years ago, in June of 2021, when Sydney Aru did it against Kansas City. So, one of the big things about the Pride has always been, especially of late, that they do not score goals. They don't have goal scorers. To read that no one on the team has scored two goals in a game in almost two years, that that stands out. And, um, you know, big performance by, by Adriana, like you said, Messiah Bright. Once again, um, I mean, this team. This team's kind of finding itself. It's figuring itself out, and you can see it's all coming together. You know, third goal for Bright this season. Um, they're doing it. They're doing some things down there. Um, North Carolina this week, they they are back on the road Saturday night in Cary. Again, you know, like I said, North Carolina, they are four points better than the Pride. You know, they're not as great you know they're not at the at the heights that they were um a few years ago when when north carolina was challenging for the championship just about every year but this is certainly going to be a tough game for orlando and you know what are your expectations for this one
1: i mean expectations after after last week are, are sky high i i think honestly i think they've got the ability i think drawing them last time out i i don't know why they can't win it's just they're cape, you know what I mean there there's no reason why mm-hmm. they shouldn't,
0: yeah, no, that's fair. and I think it's it's tough to you know not get lost kind of in like the hype of of what went on this past weekend, but I mean, it's definitely one of those games where it's like, all right i'm I'm confident i ha- I'm growing more confidence in what this team can do. I'm not sold that they're you know all their problems are solved and they're gonna be scoring three goals a game every week, but definitely far from it. But you you look at this and you say, why can't they? You know, why why can't this team be considered a contender more, more often than not? You know, why can't this team be taken seriously more often than not? And I think we're starting to maybe get to that point. I mean, obviously, we know the roster can be a lot better. We know there's areas where the pride can certainly improve. But uh, who knows? Um, it will be interesting to see, especially when um, – When the World Cup comes around, you know, we're a month away from the Women's World Cup. We do expect the Pride to lose some players, but we probably don't expect them to lose as many players as some other teams around the league. You know, some key players that a lot of teams around the league are going to be upset with. So I think that could be an opportunity for the Pride if you're looking around. I mean, and you say like, all right, well, we're a little bit shorthanded, but some of these teams that we're going to see, they might be more shorthanded at us. This is an opportunity to you know, take some points and certainly with the way that they've got the the mentality as possible. Um anything else on the Pride before we move on?
1: Nope. that's that's it. Just fun to watch, man.
0: All right. And then last but not least, Orlando City B. Like I said, 4-0 winners over FC Cincinnati 2. Jack Lynn in the 26th. Juninho in the 30th. Shakhtar Muhammad, 37th minute goal. And then Emanuel. I'm going to butcher this. Almaguer? Almaguer? Ooh. Seventh uh, goal of the season for Jack Lynn. That's a team high. He's lighting it up down there for Orlando City B. Luca Petreso, he had an assist on one of those goals. And it was his first game, his first game in action in total um, since he's been sidelined with an injury uh, since April 15th. So a couple months on the sideline for Petreso, working his way back, could see him back. For Orlando City very soon especially let's see Orlando's got a lot of games coming up starting New England this weekend they've got uh, New England on the road back home against Philly on Wednesday and then back out on the road to Seattle just three days later that's going to be a tough turnaround for Orlando they're going to need the depth for that one Um, Orlando City be back on the road on Thursday Chicago Fire 2. That game is at 8 o'clock in Chicago at SeatGeek Stadium. Uh, so, yeah. Good win for Orlando City B. Nice dominating performance. Um, Move on to MLS and World Soccer. Manchester City, Champions League. They did the treble. First English team since Manchester United, correct? Um, like almost 15 years ago, I believe. So, uh, do we congratulate them? I mean, we, we never want to hand it to him but you know under no, no
1: circumstance I, I feel like i feel like we have to
0: yeah dominating season all around i mean to come from behind and to beat arsenal in the last weeks of the season i mean pep guardiola i think he's got what two more years left on his contract at this point and so you know i don't know what that what that man does next but he's achieved it you know he's he's done what they've been trying to do so pretty impressive uh run over enter like uh, almost
1: positive he only has one year left it could be wrong because i thought he just oh no it is in two years he because he signed he had done the two year or the extension last summer maybe I know, i'm blanking but I, I mean the thing listen he's he's one of the greatest to ever do it it's impressive for him to be able to do what he did with manchester city it's it's impressive the way interplayed against them. It's I'm not happy that City won the treble, but how do you not like Pep? How do you, you know what I mean? How do you not wanna root for a guy like that who's who's such a brilliant mind and, and is so good at what he does to be dominant in this era? I know there's a bit of a knock on him that he's only ever coached great teams. Fair. I think I think that is the difference between someone like him and a Jose Mourinho or even I know the the latest kind of meme trend over the the weekend was oh he's you know better than Sir Alex Ferguson now. And I do think there's a difference for guys like Mourinho or Ferguson who have proven to A be able to for both of them be able to coach not great teams to do really well. You look at what Mourinho has done everywhere he's gone. He's won a trophy except for Spurs, which is just a testament to how bad Tottenham are. But everywhere he's gone, he's been able to do pretty well and he's really for the most part been at teams that are not the best team, right? I and mean, he's going into decent situations, but he's not going into, he's not getting a job with Manchester City or going, right? You know, right now he's with Roma. So I think that's impressive. And then obviously the thing that Sir Alex Ferguson did that was so impressive is just being able to be so dominant for so long and with so many different iterations of the team it is where that, you know, being able to build over a little over two decades is, is the part that's impressive there. So I think Pep though, is capable of doing either one. I don't think it's that he's not capable. He just hasn't done it. So I think it is a fair knock to say he hasn't done it, but it's not fair to, you know, he's not the greatest of all time, but he's he's in that conversation for sure, and it's a it's a heck of an accomplishment for him.
0: Yeah. Um You know what he hasn't won? Last thing he hasn't won. He hasn't MLS. won an MLS Cup. He hasn't won an MLS Cup yet. NYCFC. my CFC, they might have that new stadium opening in a couple of years. We'll see. I did a lot see speculation.
1: Uh, somebody made the. It was Taylor Twelman tweeted out basically something along the lines of like, you know, he may, he may be. When his contract expires, be coming here to New York City FC once they open their their new stadium. You know, would anybody be surprised? And of course, I would be more surprised by that only because it means NYCFC actually have a stadium, which I don't expect <laughs> to ever happen.
0: Right, I mean, we you know, we talked about Messi last week and what his arrival uh, might mean for MLS. It might make things like Pep Guardiola coming over here a little less, uh, you know, a little less far fetched. Who knows? Let's I, I do think
1: big name coaches coming to MLS is a bigger deal for the league or like a, a bigger long term positive for the league than bigger mm-hmm. players. I think, I mean, unless we were getting guys, like, unless Mbappe was like, hey, I don't want to renew my contract to PSG. I want to go to, you know, Rail Salt Lake. Obviously, that would be a a big deal. But I think the bigger thing that that should happen with MLS or that would be very good for MLS is if it was a, hey, top managers are wanting to come coach here. And then I think players eventually come along with that. So, yeah, listen, if Pep comes to MLS, that would be massive for the league. I'm not expecting it, but that would be huge.
0: No, for sure. I mean, we saw with Tata Martino, I mean, Thierry Henry's been, in, you know, coached in MLS. Obviously, things were going well before he went back to Europe, and they didn't go well out there. Um, Tata Martino possibly coming back to MLS. I mean, we've, you know, we've seen these names, you know, not all of them work out, but uh, who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, Mbappe, PSG's done, man. Like, what What do you do now? You lost your World Cup's over. You lost Messi. You're probably going to lose Mbappe. Man. The Qataris that? experiment. It's,
1: that's what I'm hearing. I'm hearing the Qatari experiment not good, and they should not try with another club.
0: Yeah. No, that'd be nice. Uh, you know, it's uh, I don't know. Let's see what happens with this, uh, with this English club. It seems like they might re- reshift their focus to somewhere where they can make more people angry. Don't like that. <laughs> um, where's Mbappe going? I mean, it's real Madrid, right? Like, that's like uh, the only yeah, real. It's, yeah, it's got to be. Is it disappointing, like, when big stars, like, they really only ever go to, like, three teams? I don't find it really exciting, honestly.
1: So, that's that's what I've always. And I was talking with some people on Twitter, and they were. Someone was maybe kind of misread the point of the thing that I was talking about, where it's. Because uh, it's talking about how MLS could have. We've talked about this too with the in terms of the roster rules and things like that mls could have loosened roster rules and basically just kind of whatever version of financial fair play but otherwise freedom to recruit players and i think you would see top players like the reason top players are only going to two teams in spain and maybe two or three teams in italy and one team in in germany is because those leagues are dominated by only a handful of teams. And I think the reason the Premier League can have elite players can have a guy like Enzo Fernandez go to Chelsea who were not good this year, even if they've been historically good, not good this year, but the appeal, it's a very commercially successful league. It makes an absurd amount of money and part of that is the best players are willing to go to not always the biggest club the club that's winning the league every year and you're seeing some of that you know and and i think that's where leagues that can have that broad appeal and that broad approach right now it's one league in the world that has that kind of broad appeal where a star player is going to be willing to go play for a team other than manchester city right there are other teams there worth playing for and doing and, but yeah it's obviously it's a bummer when when a player wants to go to Spain they only want to go to to one club they either want to go to Barcelona or Real Madrid and if they're if they're going if if a, if a great player is going to Germany they're going to go play for Bayern and it's it definitely sucks and it's not good for parody of the game and I think the Premier League is is the example for the world to look at of like listen they've got it like they've got bottom table teams are beating top table teams it happens there there's a, a healthy mix of talent think that's the approach for places to take you just got to find ways to do it that obviously for a lot of those other leagues it's hard for them to just artificially kind of go in and just like change the rules and change things fundamentally that have been in existence for well over 100 years but mls is is pretty new and and constantly changes their rules for whatever reason they see fit so be nice to see because listen these owners are wasn't the thing on like the world's richest or the the clubs that are worth the most money, like multiple MLS teams are are in the top 50 of that. Like it's ridiculous how much money these MLS owners have. So I, I think if you open up the the floodgates and and let the spending come in, obviously with with restrictions on making sure that it's not an absurd amount of, hey, they're spending way more than than they're bringing in or anything like that. That I think that's how you grow it, and I think you will start to see star players who doesn't want to come live in the states, who doesn't want to, you know. So like the right now, Mbappe coming to MLS anytime in the next like decade, it's a laughable thought. If they change the way they approach things, is it? I think it's possible.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the thing that's that really fascinates me about Major League Soccer is like the potential is 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 there. You know, if they if the league were to ever let these owners let loose and to, to untighten the purse strings and, and let them spend the money to make these teams better, to attract more talent so that top players can look at that and say, oh, that that is a pretty competitive league where, you know, like you said, I mean, the, the appeal of being able to live in the United States for, for these stars is so big. Like, these guys would love to live in, in New York, Miami, L.A. I mean, you know— I don't, you know, we make fun of places like, you know, Ohio and Cincinnati and Real Salt Lake and stuff. But, I mean, you can have a great quality of life in a lot of these cities for the money that they would be making. And you'd also get what you really don't get anywhere overseas. You get to live almost anonymously in a lot of these cities, you know. Like, Messi is probably not going to walk around Miami without having, you know, um, a presidential escort basically everywhere because he can't go anywhere but a lot of these guys can just go to the grocery store and live their life and be anonymous wherever they go and why is that not you know why would that not be appealing especially if the money's good and eventually the competition continues to rise in major league soccer i mean like you said see it's uh san diego just paid 500 million dollars for a team just for the right to build a soccer team in San Diego. They still have to buy build a stadium, which is probably going to cost at least half a billion, if not to a billion dollars. They still have to actually build the team. I mean, the valuations of, the, of these clubs is insane. I mean, Orlando City selling for $400, 000, $400 million. I mean, got, you could
1: right now, yeah. I, I'm looking at the 2023 valuation of Premier League teams. So let's look at teams that are valued. There's only nine teams in the Premier League valued over... Uh, five hundred million dollars. You've got teams that are below like Newcastle, Leeds, Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, uh, Wolves, Southampton, Fulham, Brighton, Brentford, Nottingham, Bournemouth. Obviously, some of those teams going down and not maybe worth as much. But like, there are over half the Premier League, or I guess half the Premier League, that are that are worth less than a new MLS franchise. Like, and that's just the Premier League. If I would go look at France or Spain, Or I'd be willing to bet that there's probably only three or four teams that are worth more than that. So these owners could go get into the game overseas for a lot less money, but they're choosing to do it here. Yeah, open up, let them spend on bringing in players. Let them, the idea that they can only spend a lot of money on three players, everything else is up to don garber's mystical magical roster rules that he changes like the league shouldn't be working on behalf of a team getting a specific player that should be a thing that multiple teams are capable of doing and there's a bidding war and look we've seen right now with saudi arabia players aren't always concerned with the quality of the league but you're also seeing the ones that are the ones that do care about the type of league they're playing in they're choosing to come here messi mentions that and, and alludes to that in why he chose to come to mls right if he cared about money if that's all it was the smarter move would have been to go to saudi arabia but if you want to come and make a name for yourself and do and if you're coming to mls and you you know you may not be making as much on your weekly salary but the ability to build a brand and build a name in the united states you don't even have to be playing in the you know major cities in an LA or in New York or Miami or places like that you can do pretty well for yourself no matter where you are we've seen that in basketball right a lot of guys playing for quote-unquote small market teams making quite a lot of money I don't know I'm just saying man there's there's a lot that could be done to really fundamentally change the game here without it feeling forced because it's not we're not bringing in money that's not already there the money's there they have it these owners are and a
0: lot of this money and a lot of this evaluation of mls this is pre-messy this is pre-2026 this is you know kind of almost pre like what we're gonna see you know what the potential of apple is and what this deal is going to be able to unlock for major league soccer down the road i mean there's a lot of growth and a lot of opportunity. I mean, I you know, I've said before that I'm skeptical that the league itself was going to take advantage of that. You know, like we talked last week. I really hope that they take advantage of Messi and they really use this to launch themselves, you know, get a oh not just a running start, a sprinting start into 2026, and then use that to basically catapult this league to this you know into the stratosphere. Like they, they have the opportunity to do it. I don't know if the league is going to be able to pull it off but i sure i sure hope and you know based on what they what's out there they can do it um you want to get into weird cards red uh weird cards red news weird <laughs> news red
1: cards yeah let's get into our our weird cards you, you i heard you have some weird news for us this week
0: yeah so this is from twitter and you know the great thing about this hell site is that every now and again you see something so bizarre That it just kind of makes you scratch your head. So here's a tweet that I saw earlier. And the person, it was just a bunch of screenshots of a conversation that someone was having on Twitter uh, titled, I gotta find it. (laughs) Here. This was a wild roller coaster of confusion, incredible stuff. So it starts out this lady posts a picture of her daughter here i'll send i'll send you uh i'll send you the link so that you can follow along here because it it gets very confusing i have
1: seen i have seen uh, this story i am i am aware of okay. it I, I assume you've so, re, you've retweeted it as well right
0: i didn't retweet it but i definitely i i it is the kind of thing that i would retweet cuz that's pretty much all they do on there now so she tweets a picture of her daughter 14 years ago i sent my then 10-year-old daughter if you're listening at home follow along Fourteen years ago, I sent my then ten-year-old daughter across the street with a plate of brownies to welcome the new neighbors. She brought back me, an empty plate, and another daughter to love. Yesterday, that daughter married the love of her life, and I couldn't be happier for them. So, like, you're probably thinking, like, oh, she probably met friends. They had, like, another young girl, and these two young girls are getting married. Which is what somebody thought. Somebody wrote congratulations, or she wrote followed up congratulations mr and mrs ryan anderson may your lives be filled with love and laughter surrounded by encouragement and support which gets the respond i don't understand what do you mean by brought back another daughter and she goes her the lady's response is i mean that in every manner that matters my daughter's bff is my daughter too all right uh, she goes so your son married your daughter's bff that's lovely was another respondent, and she goes, Nope, my daughter's BFF married her fiancé, who is not my son. However, she was already another daughter to me and called me mama after 14 years of friendship with my bug. This is my daughter on the right, and there's a picture of them. So, nothing cleared up here. Everything just creating more questions than answers, and this was a fun time.
1: Yeah, it's uh, certainly this, a... Like, oh, my God. <laughs> certainly a bit of a wild story. The internet can be quite a uh, interesting place.
0: The uh, people, the person that I, like quoted originally goes, Oh, the girls got gay married. Wait, no, her daughter married some guy. Oh, no, that's not her. S- oh, no, that's her son. Wait, no, that's not her daughter or her son. <laughs> is basically the up and down of trying to figure out what is going on here in this scenario.
1: Yeah, it was but, very uh, confusing.
0: That's the beauty of Twitter because we, you don't know what's going on ever at any given time.
1: No, why would we know any of that? That doesn't make any sense? Come on, don't be ridiculous here. <laughs> it's great because everyone in the comments is equally confused, but also trying to be
0: supportive, which is very fun. Those are my favorites, where it's just like everyone, no, everyone collectively has no idea what's going on, but we're all like kind of on the same page. So, that's Twitter. That's Twitter in a nutshell nowadays. Twitter 2.0. Stay away uh, from it.
1: God bless. So mine comes out of Ecuador. Oh. Um. In Quito, Ecuador, a 76-year-old woman who was declared dead at a hospital astonished her relatives by knocking on her coffin during her wake. <laughs>
0: knocking on her coffin, like trying to wake her up?
1: No, 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 like the woman that was dead in the coffin started knocking on the coffin like, hey, let me oh my out. God. So she wasn't dead. <laughs> Correct.
0: Oh, my God.
1: Um. Yeah, wild. Immediately made me think of Coffin Flop. Make sure you call your cable <laughs> provider. Tell them not to get rid of Corn Cop TV.
0: Tell Spectrum no.
1: But, yeah, it's just what a wild... I mean, there's a whole... They She was declared dead on Friday. She was not responsive to resuscitation. Doctor on duty declared her dead. So they are currently investigating. Because, uh yeah, not dead. <laughs> there were about 20 of, of us there, her daughter said. After about five hours of the wake, the coffin started to make sounds... <laughs> terrible i really shouldn't laugh but my mom was wrapped in sheets and hitting the coffin and when we approached we could see that she was breathing heavily so they rushed her back to the hospital she's you know i mean it's gonna be it's gonna be like who knows if she'll survive but clearly like they didn't embalm her or any of the things you do with someone who dies but yeah that's a just a wild just a so, wild story.
0: I've never been dead before, so I'm not like an expert in the process, but like, aren't there quite a bit of time and steps in between being pronounced dead and being in a casket at your own funeral? Like, how yeah. did. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, laughs>
1: so, so I actually. Uh, have extended family that owns a funeral home, so I this is one of the few things that I like. Do have a little bit of knowledge of, so yeah. Once someone dies, a funeral home is, and obviously different countries, different ways. But what should happen is, someone dies, they are the funeral home is called in, or the what, or it could be just a, a local coroner. And they they get the body, they have to embalm the body, remove all of the organs from the body, remove the blood, all sorts of things. Like at that point, the, the body ha- has to be, has to be dead. And, uh, in this case clearly did not do any of that because woman was not dead and popped back to life. There's no details about who the doctor was, how they, how it happened. I will be keeping up with this though, because I definitely want to know the update. I'd Mm -hmm. like to know, I'd like to know, uh, what's going on with this woman. Yeah. I sure hope that we have a uh, weird news
0: update next week. I'll be keeping a track on that. I will stay on the, um, Red cards. I know you got a couple of red cards to hand out this week.
1: I do have a a specific red card. So the Gamers Group, uh, G A M U R S, which is a a company for a lot of like video game journalism, laid off about forty percent of their workforce recently, and posted. I don't know if it was posted today, but posted this week a job advertisement for an AI editor, who will do approximately two hundred to two hundred fifty articles a week at a rate that averages out to about four dollars and twenty cents. Article, which may seem like decent money, except just A, that's an absurd amount of articles to, to be going through in general, and B, it's all AI generated things that they will then be going through and editing and changing. So, just a severely to fire 40% of your workforce and just openly replace them with AI like this is just unbelievably disgusting. There's, there's, First of all, we've seen that AI content is not always accurate, not always good content. But even beyond that, just the idea of removing so many employees and their livelihood. And and thankfully, this isn't a a massively large company that's doing this, but I don't think it's going to be long before we see more of them try. And it's a really damning just kind of state of where we're at with things right now, where, hey, if we can replace with AI, why not replace with AI? And it's really, really yeah. frustrating and really disappointing.
0: I think this is something that didn't like Buzzfeed get caught doing this a while ago before they shut down. Like they were, they were using AI to just generate content. I mean, the content on a lot of these websites is obviously not very good because it's just aggregating a bunch of words that already exist on the internet. Um, yeah, but I mean, you're re- you're seeing it now too with like the writer strikes and all this stuff where all of these these entertainment companies and just these psychos in Silicon Valley who think AI is going to take over the world in like a positive way, thinking that the computer is, is what's going to be able to generate like amazing art and storytelling and not like actual humans with actual emotions and lived experiences that are writing all of these stories. Um, I think there was someone from Netflix. I don't know if you saw the video, but it was like they were showing like, Look at all these great cuts we can do now with AI. And it's just like, no, like this is not like it's it's the human involvement that makes great television and great movies. Like this is not there are certain things that an AI can't do. It can't replicate certain amazing moments that we've all seen. And it's just such a stupid trend. And the quicker it dies, the quicker we'll all be better off.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's really i mean you mentioned it like like people's own lived experiences and their own voice and their own way of saying things even in simple things of whether it's like reviewing content and things like that but just getting unique individual voices that that ai will never be able to replicate but it's cheaper so who cares that we're not replicating it because it's cheaper and easier to do and man it just it sucks it's awful and i i do not like it and it's obviously in an industry that i work in so even more frustrating and disappointing to see that happening.
0: Although I will say, I mean, I can't get enough. Like, give me a 700-episode series of AI Bill Gates and AI Socrates speaking perfect English for some reason. That is the podcast that I want to listen to. I I can just gobble it up all
1: day. Wrong.
0: Um, That said, AI could probably do this podcast better. So That's
1: that's true, but I feel like we... (laughs) have worked very hard over the the years over the last like what are we on year like seven of this we worked very hard to lower the bar mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know we're without, a, us, we're without a producer so it makes it it makes it more challenging
0: those of you and when I say those of you I'm saying like singular like the, the one person that's out there who has listened to every one of these episodes from the start they know they're the true fans and they have definitely seen the deterioration over the years but they also know that that's just part of the bit.
1: So Exactly. It's oh. why people listen. Thanks, Brent's mom. <laughs> Shout out exactly. to you for being such a, a lifelong listener. We appreciate you.
0: Uh, all right. We're about to touch the hour mark, so I'm gonna get mine out real quick before we wrap it up here. Um my red cards for the week, I'm gonna give one to uh Baby Gronk's dad. You know, we jokingly brought him up last week on the show, but there was a New York Times story or I'm sorry, it was a story in the athletic I guess profiling baby Gronk kind of trying to get to the bottom of like who the hell the internet is talking about this 10 year old's father um, saying quote, he's a real athlete. He's not a normal kid. His father told us he's been trained in programs since he was six years old. We put five or six days a week of training. He diets, he eats clean foods, salmon and brown rice. He's in a routine. He's a real athlete. He's not a normal kid. This is psycho behavior. (laughs) call child yeah. protective services. Like this is not normal. And this kid is going to guarantee hate football
1: before the age of 18 uh, for his own sake. Hopefully. Yeah. Right. Like because hopefully this is he's just th-
0: not like, this is just sad. Like, I mean, I feel bad for this kid. Like this guy, this dad is, is very clearly living through his kids you know, living through his kid. Like it's don't do that. Let your kid be your own kid. Don't
1: yeah, program I- your kid i'm really appreciative like my dad is a drummer and i am a drummer and i've done this like my whole life but even as a kid when my dad was teaching me how to do things he never forced me and we actually realized very early on that him teaching me was not going to be helpful not because he was like trying to put his own like wishes or dreams on me or whatever it was more just i wasn't receptive to it so a lot of my learning like initially came from him but then he was like a good enough parent to realize yeah this like i shouldn't do this somebody else should and yeah dude this baby gronk dad the, the story in general was awful we made fun of it last week but this dad is just the worst red card not enough he's been given a lifetime suspension
0: yeah i mean it's the same thing here like when i when i was a kid and i got into baseball it was like completely on my own if i wanted to quit you know early on after like the first season i played i was like on the fence my parents like didn't pressure me it was just like all right you know you like it you like it you don't oh well which is what kids need they need to be able to find things on their own and develop their own likes and hobbies in life but who are we to know just two normal people who had decent parents that let us do what we wanted to do and are semi-happy with our lives so far so
1: just we're just we're innocent men we're just normal men Uh, not innocent men though donald trump indicted again uh rest (laughs) in piss bozo go to jail do not collect 200 what a what an absolute loser and also a quick red card that i forgot to give out to the nazis outside of disney it is a shame that nobody ran you over
0: You know, it's crazy because you and I have learned, especially with our former He Who Shall Not Be Named producer, we know not to say silly stuff when the mics are on. Like, we know that. But this man can't
1: help himself. (laughs) Literally said, oh, I could have declassified these. But I, well, he didn't say, but I did He's got to hold the world record for amount of crimes he's confessed willingly on tape. And and the sheer amount of people that are defending it, so it's like, well, he didn't he he said he could have declassified them. He didn't say he didn't. And it's okay that they were in a bathroom because bathrooms have locks. As someone who has mm-hmm. spent plenty of time over my twenty seven years in bathrooms, let me tell you, they lock from the inside. Turns out these Trump people not very smart.
0: Mm-hmm um speaking of not very smart i'll give one playing advantage before we get out of here um i'm gonna give it to twitter you know we talk a lot (laughs) about twitter we talk about about how great it is and how it's now just a bastion of free speech the bot problem on this website is insane like this was this was his whole thing was getting rid of the bots and all i see now are bots in my mentions in every timeline my favorite new thing is the um if you go on Twitter and go, "Wow, like this is a great T-shirt. Where can I get this?" You're suddenly spanned with fifty different links telling you you can buy your T-shirt here, and it's regardless of whatever you said was on the T-shirt. Links are selling that T-shirt to you. So this is just an awful place, and I can't.
1: It is funny that people are are messing with that though, and putting like straight up like, "Oh, this this thing." Means the owner I... of this website is a pedophile. Where can I get this on a T-shirt? Yeah, it's. Uh is not a great place uh i did get a that's blue much. sky invite finally so i'm i'm off free no. sort of but i still have to use it because i wish
0: i wasn't addicted that's the problem is i'm just addicted i'm yeah. done posting i mean i i'm i'm not like a poster anymore but i just can't i can't stop scrolling it's just too good it's just
1: simply too good but is we'll indeed see. i feel like that's right. I feel like we've gone on long enough i feel like if mm-hmm. anyone's still listening at this point i'm sorry we will not be giving you a refund.
0: Nope. No refunds. And unfortunately, unlike uh, many stores, this, uh, we don't care. We got your money. Boo hoo. (laughs) Go cry about it. All right, Kyle. Until next week. We'll talk to you guys later. See you. Bye-bye.